Thank you, Larry. I'm happy today, happy to be here and happy to be with all of you. So happy to have a part in our study together tonight, and we're grateful for everyone who has come. Tonight, I'd like to think with you about the question of where we would make our home if we had an opportunity to make our home somewhere, where we would do that. I believe there's a passage of Scripture in the Word of God that can help us to consider that about the fact that we need to build our home and our house, our lives on the Lord Jesus Christ. A few years ago, I met an interesting young man who has a very wonderful hobby. He dives for small fish in the Gulf. He lives up in the north part of Florida on the Gulf Coast, and he goes diving every once in a while when he has an opportunity so that he can catch small fish for aquariums. And he told me that probably the most popular variety, uh, the one that's in great demand today, is for small sharks. I didn't know that people had sharks in their aquarium, but he said that many people have baby sharks in their aquarium. And when they are kept or they're raised in a very small aquarium, they remain small. It's because of their environment that they remain that way. He said in their ocean home, if they're allowed to live there, then they become very large. And many sharks, of course, reach eight feet or longer. It all depends upon their home and their environment. Well, I believe there's a great lesson in that uh, that we can observe. And that is the same is true for the people of God. Our environment can certainly affect our livelihood, our intentions, and it can reflect many times that we have chosen a place to live or a way to live that might cause us to be stunted in our growth. So Christians can have their spiritual growth and develop stunted, or they can grow uh, as the Lord wants them to. And it all depends upon the environment and how and where they live. God, of course, wants us to grow and develop to our full potential. And so he's provided the instruction that we need in order to do that. We can grow and develop as God desires, or we can let the world stifle our faith because of a small and a very unspiritual environment. If Jesus is our spiritual rock, if we build our house on the Lord Jesus Christ, then certainly we recognize that we're going to be building and, and growing as God wants us to. Our story tonight is from the Bible about a man who lived in a very frightful environment of evil domination. I invite you to turn with me to Luke's Gospel, I'm sorry, Mark's Gospel, chapter 5. Mark 5, and we'll read about this man that lived in a very frightful place. Mark chapter 5, verses 1 through 20. Mark's Gospel, chapter 5, verse 1. It says, Then they came to the other side of the sea, to the country of the Gadarenes. And when he, that is Jesus, had come out of the boat, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit, who had his dwelling among the tombs, and no one could bind him, not even with chains, because he had often been bound with shackles and chains, and the chains had been pulled apart by him, and the shackles broken in pieces. Neither could anyone tame him. And always night and day he was in the mountains and in the tombs, crying 
and cutting himself with stones. When he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and worshipped him. And he cried out with a loud voice and said, What have I to do with you, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I implore you by God that you do not torment me. For he had said to him, Come out of the man, unclean spirit. Then he asked him, What is your name? And he answered, saying, My name is Legion, for we are many. Also he begged him earnestly that he would not send them out of the country. Now a large herd of swine was feeding near the mountains. So all the demons begged him, that is Jesus, saying, Send us to the swine that we may enter them. And at once Jesus gave them permission. Then the unclean spirits were about, who were about 2,000, and the herd ran violently down the, steep in the, down the steep place into the sea and drowned in the sea. Verse 14. So those who fed the swine fled, and they told it in the city and in the country, and they went out to see what, was, what it was that had happened. Then they came to Jesus and saw the one who had been demon-possessed and had the legion sitting and clothed in his right mind, and they were afraid. And those who saw it told them how it happened to him who had been demon-possessed and about the swine. Then they began to plead with him to depart from their region. And when he got into the boat, he who had been demon-possessed begged him that he might be with him. However, Jesus did not permit him, but said to him, Go home to your friends and tell them what great things the Lord has done for you and how he has had compassion on you. And he departed and began to proclaim in Decapolis all that Jesus had done for him and all marveled. Well, I'd like for us to think about the question tonight, where would you make your home? And in our lesson, we can look at these major characters in this story and notice what happened to them as they met Jesus and realize where they each made their home or desired to make their home. And I think that will help us to realize several important things about what Jesus had done for this man. First of all, look at the man who made his home in a cemetery, verses 2 through 5. This is one of the things indicated here in the story where the man lived. In verse 2, it says, there met him out of the tombs. He was living in the tombs. Verse 3 says, who had his dwelling among the tombs. Verse 5 says, he was in the mountains and in the tombs. Surely only a demon-possessed man would want to live in a graveyard. You know, when you think about a cemetery or a graveyard, almost everything in such a place speaks of the dead and speaks of the past. When Charlotte and I lived in England years ago, during the days of my military service there, we read about a caretaker for an old cemetery. In England, they have uh, church buildings and cemeteries together. And usually the people that belong to a certain church are buried in the cemetery close to where that church is located. This man had been the caretaker of that place for many, many years. He lived there in a small hut there on the grounds of that cemetery. And over time, that place drove him to madness. He became insane 
And finally, he took his life. Uh, the lonely life in the cemetery caused him and his sad death uh, to take place. And that's the kind of environment that Jesus found this man. Imagine the dark foreboding and fear of such a place. No one who was alive would want to be around there. They would not want to stay there or live there, especially after darkness would come. This man was so strong and he was insane. No man in his right mind would want to ever live in such a place as that. But this demon-possessed man was not in his right mind. It would be later that he came to be in his right mind because Jesus had healed him. But at the beginning of this story, he was a man possessed by evil. Evil spirits lived within him. And as we shall see, there's only one who can ever set us free from the imprisonment and the hold of such evil. And that's our Savior, Jesus Christ. Think about the demons who made their home in the man. The man made his home in the cemetery, and the demons made their home in this man. We can learn several things here about demon possession. In the Bible, demons are often called evil or unclean spirits. Note verse 2 says the man had an unclean spirit. There were often a plurality of demons that possessed individuals in that day or time. Several Bible passages show that because there are many accounts of demon possession in the New Testament. Most of these accounts, of course, have to do with Jesus healing those that were possessed of the devil. But there was often a plurality of demons that would live within an individual. Notice that the one demon spoke for all the others. And he told Jesus, My name is Legion, for we are many. Verse 9. I remember a Roman legion years ago consisted of 6,000 soldiers, if I'm not mistaken. So you can imagine how many uh, demons there must have been in this man. One thing we know for sure, there were at least 2,000, because whenever these demons were sent into the swine, there were about 2,000 of them that perished in the sea when they went mad after Jesus allowed them to go into the swine. It seems that one of these evil spirits became the spokesman for all the other demons. He was the one that spoke to Jesus. Notice verse 10. It says he begged him, that is the demon begged Jesus, and then later all of the demons begged him. Verses 12 and 13. One important thing that we can learn here about demon possession are some of the consequences, and often they varied uh, depending upon the different people. But we can learn that this possession was characterized by several things. Superhuman strength. It says no one could bind him, not even with chains, verse 3. Neither could anyone tame him, it says in verse 4. Fierce madness. And always night and day he was in the mountains, in the tombs, crying out and cutting himself with stones. Verse 5. All of these things are indicative of what happened when one was demon-possessed. Thirdly, there was great arrogance. And he cried with a loud voice and said, What have I to do with you? And of course he acknowledged that he knew who Jesus was. His recognition and belief in Jesus. He called him Jesus, the Son of the Most High God. Verse 7. You know, 
it's important for us to realize what James said about demons. In James chapter 1, verse 19, he said, The demons believe and tremble. They're evil spirits. They certainly are the spokesmen, the evil spirits of the devil. But they knew who Jesus was, and they always acknowledged Him. They knew that He was the Son of God, and they knew the power that He had. They believe and tremble. Something most important, the demons knew a time of punishment was coming. They knew that a time of banishment was coming for them eventually. This man that spoke for the other said, I implore you by God that you do not torment me, verse 7. Also he begged him earnestly that he would not send them out of the country, verse 10. You know, this is something that we note in other cases of demon possession. In Matthew 8 and verse 29, the demons cried out to Jesus, Have you come here to torment us before the time?" That is, they knew a time was coming whenever they would be banished. And so it's important for us to recognize that Jesus knew and they knew that there would be an end sometime to demon possession. Matthew chapter 12, after Jesus had cast out demons, he said that his casting out of the demons was likened to binding a strong man and spoiling him or robbing him of his strength robbing his house and taking away some of the power that the devil had. So when Jesus cast out the demons, he was robbing the devil of some of his power, the demons that he used to uh, hurt and harm those that were possessed by them. So Jesus was, as he cast out the demons, telling them, in effect, your time is up, your time is over. That brings us to the question that people often wonder about today. Is there demon possession in our day? There are several denominations today who believe in demon possession and believe it still continues. And there are a few, like our Roman Catholic friends, who believe that their priests can sometimes cast out demons. But whenever we look at the Scripture, we, we can be assured from New Testament teaching that the time of demon possession has come to an end. In the Messianic prophecy of Zechariah chapter 13, verses 1 and 2, the prophet foretells of a day when a fountain will be opened for sin and uncleanness. We know that that's the day whenever Jesus would shed His blood for our cleansing. A day of cleansing and salvation would come when the gospel of Christ began to be proclaimed. Zechariah 13 verses 1 and 2 tells us three things would come to an end in the day of that salvation. First of all, God would cut off the names of the ancient idols of the land. We, we have to realize that there are still gods that people bow down before today, but they don't bow down before those ancient idols that were uh, causing the children of Israel in Old Testament times to sin against God. Those were going to pass out of the land. And so no one worships those, those idols of today. They are going to be cut off, the prophet said. And the prophets themselves would cease or pass out of the land. We know there are no prophets today. Jesus Christ is the last prophet. Jesus came and, of course, during His time, during His rule, as the kingdom was established, there were New Testament 
apostles and prophets, but after that, there were no more. There are no prophets today. The prophet would cease and pass out of the land. And thirdly, the unclean spirits or demons would cease or pass from the land. That's what we can learn from this prophecy in Zechariah chapter 13. God allowed demon possession at a time when he could show the power of his son and the power of his apostles was greater so that men might believe. That power and control that the devil once had is here no longer. We don't have to fear demon possession. 1 John 4 and verse 4 says, He who is in you is greater than he that is in the world. Christ is in us, and Christ is greater than the one who is in the world. The devil still works in the world today, but Jesus Christ has greater power. And I believe that God allowed demon possession for a time so that Christ and his apostles could show their power received from God over that evil. Well, the demons knew that Jesus could cast them out of the man, and so they made a special request of the Lord. They said, send us to the swine, about 2,000 of them, that we may enter into them. And Jesus gave them permission to go into the swine, and when they had entered the swine, the pigs went mad and rushed violently down the steep place and drowned in the sea. Verse 13. But where did the demons go? Where did the evil spirits go when that happened? We can find out in 2 Peter chapter 2, verses 4 through 9. It says, For if God did not spare the angels who sinned, but cast them down to Tartarus, the place of torment in Hades, and delivered them into chains of darkness to be reserved for judgment, then the Lord knows how to deliver the godly out of temptations and to reserve the unjust under punishment for the day of judgment. You know, whenever we look at what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 25, verse 41, he refers to the devil and his angels, or his demons, we recognize. And he was saying that the place of punishment, the place of eternal fire, is the place prepared for the devil and his angels. Where are these demons now? They're not in, in hell yet, this place that Jesus was talking about, but they're in that holding place. They're in that place of torment, like the rich man who lifted up his eyes in torments and, and said, I am, in, I am in anguish in these flames. The demons are being held in that place, awaiting the judgment of God. So the Lord knows how to deliver the, un, the, the godly and punish those that are ungodly. We see that Satan's demon messengers uh, are no longer powerful and able to possess the souls of people today. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Well, thus far we've seen the man who made his home in the cemetery and the demons who made their home in the man. Next we will see the people who did not want Jesus to make his home with them. i get to that here. There it is. We see that they had a very negative reaction about Jesus and what he had miraculously done for this demon-possessed man. When they went out to see what had happened to the swine and saw the one who had been demon-possessed fully clothed and in his right mind, it says they were afraid. What they saw made them afraid. 
You know, this is unbelievable because you would think that they'd normally be afraid of this man when he was wild and whenever he could have harmed them. But now here he is fully dressed, and now he's sitting there in his right mind, and they're afraid. It's just amazing what made them change their viewpoint. Should they not have been pleased to see a man set free from this evil imprisonment of demon possession? And yet, when you stop and think about how people feel today about Jesus, it's not really so strange or unusual. Many people don't want Jesus anywhere around them. They don't want to be around anyone who believes in Christ or who teaches Christ. The swine meant more to these people than this man's new sanity. The pigs meant more to them than the peace that had come to their region. The hogs meant more to them than having Jesus make his home with them. The bottom line was the money that they would have made from the swine meant more to them than the miracle that Jesus performed and the man who was healed as a result of it. Why do you think they asked Jesus to leave their country? Verse 17. We might think that it was due in part to the anger they felt about losing those swine who had drowned in the sea. You know, this man has cost us all of this income that we might have made from the sale of those swine. Maybe that was why they're so angry. But I think it was because they were afraid, like it says in verse 15. They were afraid because they saw a great change had come over the man who had been demon-possessed, and they knew Jesus was the one that had brought that. I'm on the wrong chart here. I'm sorry. Uh, so, no, that's right. They pleaded with Jesus to leave their region. They had seen such a great change in this man, they probably began to wonder, what kind of changes is he going to make with us if he stays here? If, um, if they did not want him to make his home there with them or stay with them, it was probably because they feared other changes that Jesus might bring about if he remained in their country. You know, many people today are afraid to let Jesus into their hearts and their lives because they really don't want him to make any changes. They want to stay worldly. They want to be able to do and go and live like they want to live. And so they don't want Jesus to come and make his home with them. The presence of Jesus makes many people feel uncomfortable. It's just amazing, but so many people today would rather have Satan around, Satan in their lives, the influence of, of his work, than they would to have the work of Jesus Christ happening in their lives and in their homes. I was in the Air Force for several years. I had to be without Charlotte for about four months when I went to England years ago during the Vietnam War. And so I had to live in the barracks with the other men until Charlotte could later join me and, and we found our own house out in the countryside and I was able to commute to the base where I worked. But during those days when I was housed with the other men, of course, I saw a lot of terrible things and was in some uncomfortable places uh, because of the way some of those men lived. Um, I roomed with uh, two other men. There were three of us in the room, three beds. And one of them was always flying most of the time. But when he came back home, he was very uncomfortable. And finally, he said to me one day, he said, Bob, I, I really like you. Personally, I like you. But your presence in this room is making me very uncomfortable. And I think what he 
meant by that was, I know I can't say and I can't do some of the things that I would normally do because of you and what you believe and how you feel. And I know probably some of you have been in situations like that, maybe at work, where someone is uncomfortable because here is someone else who doesn't curse and cuss and take God's name in vain. Uh, you're someone that's decent and you don't tell dirty stories and dirty jokes and, and uh, do the kinds of things and talk like the people of the world. And so they feel uncomfortable around someone like that. I suppose it's like the salt that Jesus spoke about in Matthew 5 and verse 13. Salt can have a very good influence. And that's what Jesus was saying whenever he told Christians, you are the salt of the earth, you're the light of the world. And salt means that we're distinctive, we're to be distinctive like salt. If the salt, he said, has lost its savor, that which makes it salty, it is henceforth good for nothing but to be cast out and trodden under foot of men. You need to be different. You need to be an influence among the people of the world. Maybe you remember that uh, commercial. I think it was Morton Salt, the, the girl carrying the big salt uh, box and, and the salt is pouring out and the caption says, when it rains, it pours. Very good salt, evidently, Morton Salt, that even a little moisture is not going to make it lose its proper properties of saltiness. But the idea is that not only will we be an influence for good among people if we're the salt of the earth, but sometimes when salt gets in a wound, it can make people very uncomfortable. And that's what I think we're seeing in the case of these people. Jesus was not always welcome everywhere, and people uh, some places didn't want, did not always want Jesus to stay among them. Well, we should notice that Jesus granted their request. Um, whenever they asked him to leave, uh, Jesus left. The Lord will never stay where he is not wanted. If you don't want him, if you want him out of your house, if you want him out of your marriage, if you want him out of your church, then he will not stay. You'll be sending him away, but he will never force anyone to accept him and the changes that he would like to make for us. But rest assured, if you're sending him away, not wanting him to be around, then it will lead to the very same end that came to the demons that didn't want him around. When you send Jesus away from you, by that very token, you're asking him eventually to send you away, and the place that you have chosen over what he wants for you as a place you're not going to want to be. That's what I believe this story shows us. These people did not want Jesus to make his home with them. Well, finally, what we see in this story is the man who had been demon-possessed, now free, wanted to make his home with Jesus. This is a very interesting conclusion to the story, I think. The madman who had been demon-possessed is now in his right mind, and he wanted to go with Jesus. He wanted to be at home with him. Let me go with you. Let me follow you. And when he got into the boat, he who was demon-possessed begged him that he might be with him. Verse 18. But surprisingly, Jesus did not allow it. He did not grant permission. Why? Well, first of all, because I believe few could understand that Jesus at that time had no home. He had no place. He would say to many who would say, I will follow you. He would say, 
The, the birds of the heavens have nests, and the foxes have holes, but the Son of Man hath not where to lay his head. We need to recognize that Jesus, whenever he left home and began his work, he really never had a home like most people did. And so it's not surprising that Jesus did not allow it. When men said they wanted to go with him, Jesus reminded them that they were, they were not aware of what they were asking. Notice how Jesus replied to this man. He said, go home to your friends and tell them what great things the Lord has done for you and how he has had compassion on you. Verse 19. I believe that Jesus wants us to do that same thing. Jesus wants us to go and tell other people about what the Lord has done for us. Don't you think that's true? Don't you think that's what he really wants us to do? He wants us to go and let people know what good things the Lord has done for us in saving us. And I, I believe that's why he said that to this man. He wants us to take the message of salvation to others. He wants us to tell others what the Lord can do for them, just as he's done for us. We need to realize that Jesus is not yet ready for us to come and be at home with him. He's still building that home in heaven. He said to his disciples, in my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. He wants us to be with him, but it's not time yet for that to take place. We all have work to do before we can go and be with him in heaven. Well, as we conclude the lesson, I hope we can remember the characters in this story. First of all, the unfortunate man who made his home in the cemetery, and the demons who made their home in the life of the man that they possessed, and the people, the foolish people of that city who were afraid to let Jesus be at home with them. And then the wonderful part of the story is the man who once had been demon-possessed, now in his right mind, who wanted to go and be at home with Jesus. What a change Jesus had made in this man's life. The unfortunate man has been changed. What a great difference. Before Christ, it was insanity. Think about it. Um, let me get back to the right chart here. Before Christ, it was insanity and madness. And because of Christ, now he's in his right mind. Doesn't that say something about where each of us stands today? Hopefully we're in our right mind. Hopefully we have right intentions and right actions because of Christ and the change that he's made. What a great difference Christ can make for our life today. Outside of Christ, there will be badness and madness. But because of Christ, we can have cleansing and forgiveness. Oh, happy day that fixed my choice. Oh, happy day, we sang, when Jesus washed my sins away. One final thing that I believe we should consider, and that is the demons in this case believed and confessed, but they did not repent and they did not obey. They were not baptized. You see, the demons believe and tremble, but they are not saved. They were sent to a place of darkness and punishment, we see in the Bible. If you believe in Jesus, 
what you need to do is to take those actions that they didn't, and that is repent of your sins and confess Christ and be baptized that you might be saved. And when you do that, whenever you take those actions, you'll be allowing Christ to make His home with you. You're making the choice of where you will live and who will live with you, building your home on the rock of ages, the solid rock of Jesus Christ. We'd like to give everyone an opportunity to respond to that, that wonderful plan that God has for the remission of our sins. And we'll give you the opportunity to do that tonight while we stand and while we sing.